Hi, my name is Mike Herbster. I'm privileged to be the director of Southland Christian Camp Ministries. For over 25 years, Southland has centered itself around the ministry of preaching. We believe that God uses the foolishness of preaching to convict hearts and transform lives. Our prayer is that today's sermon would push you to become more like our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. As you listen, would you carefully evaluate your life in light of God's Word and take the appropriate action to grow in your walk with Him? We hope that you will enjoy today's message. Judas Iscariot had great potential. That word's been mentioned this week of you. You have great potential. Judas Iscariot had that potential. But this morning I want to look at four devastating blemishes in this man, Judas Iscariot, who followed Christ just doing it. Four devastating blemishes in a man who was just doing it. You could have put the swoosh on Judas Iscariot's chest. He was doing it. The problem is, he was never being it. Now I want you to see these four blemishes. First of all, he followed without faith. He followed without faith. In verse 14, look in chapter 13, verse 14. The Bible says, If I, then, your Lord and Master, have washed your feet, ye also ought to wash one another's feet. In other words, Jesus has just given them an example of servanthood, as I mentioned. And he does this on many occasions with these 12 disciples. And he instructs them as to what they are to do. In other words, you're to do what I've done. You're, you're, to, you're to copy. You're to imitate. You're, the ministry uh, is, is to learn from me. And Jesus many times had given them examples of what they were to do, whether it was in preaching or teaching or, or in serving, as is the case here. But Jesus would give them an example, and he'd say, now go do likewise. And Judas followed. But look at verse number 18. Jesus, after he gives them this instruction in verse 18, he says, I speak not of you all. I know whom I have chosen, but that the scripture may be fulfilled. He that eateth bread with me hath lifted up his heel against me. He says, I'm, I'm not talking to all of you here. Because the betrayer is amongst us. In fact, look at verse 21. When Jesus had thus said, he was troubled in spirit and testified and said, Verily, verily, I say unto you that one of you shall betray me. Here were these 12 disciples. They had been following the Lord for now some three years. They had been preaching. They had been teaching. They had been doing miracles. They had been following the Lord, just doing it. And all of a sudden, Jesus said, the betrayer is going to come from this group. There was one who followed without faith. When Jesus called Judas Iscariot, he followed. I don't know what motivated him to follow. I've thought about this often. What, what, what motivated Judas Iscariot? He knew he wasn't saved. Now, one time in the New Testament Gospels, does Judas ever call Jesus Lord? 
He calls him master. He calls him teacher. He calls him rabbi, but never Lord. He's not saved. He knows it. And I've often wondered what motivated him to follow the Lord. When Jesus said, hey, Judas, come, follow me, just as he did to Peter and James and Matthew and John and all the rest, they followed the Lord. What motivated Judas Iscariot to follow? I don't know. Maybe it was peer pressure. I mean, there would have been some peer pressure. Jesus was the promised Messiah. Everybody thought he was going to set up a kingdom here on earth. And I mean, you'd be crazy not to be a part of that political entourage. I mean, others would have said, hey, if he wants you on his team, you, you need to be a part of that. Maybe it was peer pressure. I don't know. Maybe it was popularity. I mean, everywhere Jesus went, there were crowds. Even when he tried to slip away and get alone in a solitary place, the crowds would seem to find him. Everywhere these men went, there were huge multitudes of people waiting to be healed or waiting to be preached to. And maybe Judas saw that and he thought, man, this is cool. Look at these crowds. And, and I'll be one of the inner circle here. I, I'll follow the Lord because maybe he enjoyed the popularity. I don't know. Maybe it was the position. I mean... James and John, we know that they argued about who was going to sit on the right hand of Christ in the kingdom. And, and, and maybe there was a lot of talk among these disciples about who was going to be first in this government that Jesus was going to set up. They, they, had, they had no understanding of what was really going to happen. And, and they often talked about the, the politics of it all. And perhaps Judas was thinking position. Maybe it was the prosperity. Um. Judas held the bag. He kept the money of the disciples. We know later that he sold Jesus for 30 pieces of silver, which was the price of a slave, pretty low price, to sell out the Messiah. So obviously money had a real grip on this man. Obviously, he had no real values when it came to money. Maybe it was the prosperity. Maybe he saw a chance to, to get rich off this gig. Maybe he thought, hey, I follow and, and, and I'll put on a show and, and maybe I'll get my hands on some of that money of this king. I don't know why he followed. Jesus often warned of these things. In John 5 and verse 44, he said, How can you believe which seek honor one of another and seek not the honor that cometh from God only? He warned his disciples, Some of you are seeking honor of men rather than honor from me. He said in John 12, they, they love the praise of men more than the praise of God. He reminded his disciples in, in Luke chapter 16 and verse 15, Ye are they which justify yourselves among men, but that which is highly esteemed among men is an abomination in the sight of God. He was warning them, be careful about popularity. Be careful about being highly esteemed. Be, be careful about the claim that you're getting. One time he had to say to Peter, Get thee behind me, Satan, thou art an offense unto me, for thou savest not the things that be of God, but those that be of men. Jesus had warned them often of these dangers of following him and just doing it and not really being it. So I don't know why Judas followed, but he followed without faith. He followed as a lost man. You say, are you sure Judas Iscariot was lost? 
The Bible says in Mark 14 and verse 21, The Son of Man goeth as it was determined. But woe unto that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It had been good for that man to have never been born. In John 6 and verse 70, Jesus said, Have not I chosen you twelve, and one of you is a devil. According to the very words of Jesus Christ himself, Judas Iscariot was not saved. He followed without faith. And it's very possible in this room this morning, and very likely, that there are young people who on the outside are following, they're doing Christianity, but they've never been saved. Some of you are familiar with a program called Proteins. It's an excellent program and uh, used by many youth groups across the country. Uh, it's a program designed to get you in the Word of God, reading and memorizing and, and getting involved in your church and so on. On several occasions now, I've had the privilege of preaching the National Scoring Week for Proteins at the Wilds in North Carolina. I remember the first time I did so, I really wasn't familiar with proteins, had never really been exposed to it a whole lot. I'd seen some material, but I'd never, I never really knew the magnitude of it. That particular week, I was scheduled to preach at the Wilds, and it was their protein scoring week. It was exciting. And the first night, you know, they, they brought these 20 kids up on the platform. These were the top 20 in the country, both in junior high, and then they had 20 more in senior high. These were the top scores. And, and, of course, you know, they had to do all this stuff. And they explained it all, how they had to read all this stuff and write these reports and do Christian service and all this stuff. And, and they'd get points for this throughout the year. And now these were the top 20 in America. And every night they were going to take a few of these kids away. And the final night they would crown a national champion and give them a free trip to the Holy Land. And, I mean, it's a big thing, big thing. And the suspense is really amazing uh, as they do this night after night, take a few more kids away. Well, the first night they brought these 20 kids up in the senior high division. I'm looking at these kids. I'm sitting down here waiting to preach. I'm looking at these kids. I'm thinking, man, these kids, wow, they have done a lot of work. And these kids have really, you know, they, they've obviously sacrificed some things in order to accomplish all that they've accomplished in the last year. And I'm marveling at these kids. I'm thinking, wow, this is the cream of the crop, so to speak. And uh, they were all up there, and, and uh, after they went through their whole spiel about it, they, they went and sat down in the crowd, and I preached. Well, after the service, I came, and I sat right down here on the front row, and uh, the director of the camp, Brother Hay, he dismissed the young people, and he dismissed like we do here. He said, we're going to let the girls go first. And so the girls got up, and they, they began to file by, and there was an exit door over here, and so I was sitting there, and, and some of these girls began to file by, and, and I'm sitting there, and so as they're going by, I'm, I'm saying, hey, how you doing? Good to see you. Thanks for coming. You know, whatever. <laughs> and, and, and this one girl came by who had been on the platform. And I remembered her because she had kind of this, this hair that was sort of amazing. It wasn't, it wasn't bad. It was just, it was very full. And uh, it looked like a tumbleweed, actually. No, I'm just kidding. But she came by. And when I saw her coming, I, 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 I said, uh, hey, congratulations. And... She kind of flipped her head like this and walked past me. And I thought, well, that, that really wasn't the reaction I was expecting. So the next night, she made the cut. And I don't know, there were 15 left now. She's still up there. And I, I thought, I, I want to watch, see where she sits. I, 
I watched. She went. She sat with her youth group there about in the middle of the crowd. And I watched as I preached. She never opened her Bible. I thought that was kind of strange. I thought, well, maybe she has it all memorized. She's memorized a lot of verses, you know. Maybe she's got it all memorized. She never looked up the whole sermon. I kind of thought, that's, that's strange. Maybe she's going through some tough times. I mean, obviously she's had a great year, but maybe maybe she's just going through a tough time. Maybe somebody died in her family, or you know, maybe there's some sickness back home, or you know. Every night I I'd watch her. She never listened. She never opened her Bible. She'd never look at me as I preached. I now this is strange. By the way, she was the national champion. I don't remember the total number of points that were possible. I'll, I'll say 2,000. I know that wasn't the number. She missed three. She, 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 she missed three possible points out of the total number of points. She was national champion. It was amazing what she had done the year before. Thursday night, she got saved. And I say that not to scare anybody in this room or to make you doubt, but I fear that there are young people just doing it without just being it. Judas followed without faith. Notice, secondly, Judas served without surrender. He served. You go back and look at the Gospels. He went out two by two. He went out preaching. Uh, This is an opinion, okay? This, This is not based on fact. This is an opinion based on a number of scriptures. It's my opinion that Judas Iscariot was the best preacher of the 12. It's my opinion he had a great personality. It's my opinion that he was very impressive. I mean, the other disciples gave him their money. They trusted him. No one suspected that he was the betrayer. In fact, Judas is given this sop, this piece of bread. We read it here. Jesus said, one of you is going to betray me. And and, and John, at the bidding of Peter, said, Lord, who is it? And Jesus said, whoever I give this sop to after I've dipped it. He takes a piece of bread like like French dip, and he, he dips it in some sauce. And he, and, and he reaches across the table, and he hands it to Judas Iscariot. They asked him, who's going to betray you? He said, whoever I give this piece of bread to. He dips the bread, he gives it to Judas Iscariot. And everybody goes, ah, Judas, it's Judas, oh, oh, oh Judas. No. The Bible says no man at the table knew why he spake this unto him. Some thought because he had the bag, he should go out and buy something for the feast, or he should give something to the poor. He then, having received the soft one, immediately out, and it was dark. Even after Jesus said, here's the betrayer, this is the man. Nobody believed it. Because Judas had served. Judas was a great preacher. Judas was one who who did great miracles. Judas did everything you were supposed to do. But no surrender. In 2 Chronicles 25 and verse 2, there's a very interesting verse about a man named Amaziah. Bible says, and he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord. 
but not with a perfect heart. Notice that. He did that which was right in the sight of the Lord, but not with a perfect heart. It's interesting, the word right there in the Hebrew means convenient. The word perfect in the latter part of the verse, not with a perfect heart, means complete. Amaziah served with a convenient heart, but not with a complete heart. He did that which was right. He did service to God. And and Judas the same way. He's doing all this stuff. He's reading his Bible. He's going out soul winning. He's going to church. He's sitting on the front row. He's helping out the youth pastor. But there's no surrender. There's no heart. Paul said not with eye service as men pleasers, but as servants of Christ doing the will of God from the heart. I think the illustration is in Scripture. In Ephesians chapter 6, verse 1, the Bible says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Verse 2 says, Honor thy father and thy mother, which is the first commandment, with promise that it may be well with thee, and thou mayest live long on the earth. Now there's two parts to what God's asking there. He's saying we're to obey, but he's saying we're to obey with honor. And it's possible to obey, but not with honor. For instance, you come home from camp... And uh, Saturday, and your dad says to you, "Uh, son, uh, would you take out the garbage? Yes, sir, dad. I would be glad to. Dad, thank you for allowing me the privilege of taking out the garbage. I'm glad that while I was at camp, you didn't do it because I love taking out the garbage. Thank you, dad, for being such a wonderful dad. Would trust me with such an important task. Yes, sir, dad. I'd be glad to take out the garbage. Where would you like me to take it, Dad? Son, just just take it out by the straight so the garbage man can pick it up. Yes, sir, Dad. Thank you so much. I'll do it right away. And you go out to the garage and you get this garbage and you pull it out of the stupid container and you say, I hate this stuff. I hate taking this garbage out. Now, did you obey your dad? Yeah, you did. You took the garbage out. It's out there. It's all over the street. You obeyed. Did you honor him? No. There's the problem. You know, on the outside, oh, yeah, yeah, dad, hey, hey, no problem. Sure, be glad to. But the heart's not in it. And here was a man, Judas, who served. Probably on the outside, though I'm being facetious and though I'm acting a little bit here to, to, to make the point. But I think on the outside, Judas was, was just as, as friendly and just as close and, and all those things with Jesus. He probably brown nose like the rest of them and he did all these things and, 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 and so on. But he never served with a surrendered heart. So he followed without faith. He served without surrender. Thirdly, he pleased without power. He pleased. He no doubt uh, pleased the Lord in some ways. He pleased the other disciples and things that he did for them. 
He no doubt had a part in in the miracles that Jesus did. As Jesus fed the 5,000, he instructed the disciples to have the people sit down by 50. And and he, he was a part of serving the bread and the fish to them. And he pleased a lot of people. But there was no power. Nothing on the inside. As God has great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices, as in obeying the voice of the Lord, behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to hearken than the fat of rams, for rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft, and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. And somehow we convince ourselves, hey, I, uh, my youth pastor's pleased with me. Uh, nobody's giving me a hard time. My pastor thinks I'm great. My parents think I'm sweet, and, and all of that. And we please. There's no power. It's like I illustrated yesterday about the picture frame. We have a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. There's nothing on the inside. It's just a form. My youngest son, Eric, is uh, he'll be 12 this month. And Eric really likes basketball. I don't know if he'll ever be any good at it, but he sure likes it. And he's tall. He's four inches taller than his mother. He's still 11. But he's tall. Of course, my wife is three feet two, but I'm just kidding. <laughs> She's actually five two. But Eric's tall. He went to basketball camp last week. He, he loves basketball. And he's my youngest son. And we, we, have, we have a large yard. In fact, in the back, when we bought the house, everything was just dirt. It, there was no landscaping. There was no grass, no trees, nothing. So we started in the front yard, sort of tried to make it look decent and and then this year, we decided to do something with the back. My wife got tired of looking at all this dirt. And uh, it was just kind of a mess, just a hodgepodge back there. And so I really didn't want to put grass back there because you have to mow grass, you know. And so I said, honey, how about a basketball court? I mean, Eric really likes basketball. And, and uh, she read right through that, of course. You know, it's me that really likes basketball. But anyway, I said, how about a basketball court? She said, well, what are you thinking? A little, little. I said, no, I'm thinking, I'm thinking. A basketball court. I'm thinking, you know, full court. I'm thinking about glass boards. I'm thinking about, you know. So, you know, I run the house. So I now have this this basketball court. Now, suppose that I had said to Eric, and I I told him, I said, Eric, I think I got mom convinced. (laughs) We're going to put a basketball court back there. It's going to be 30 feet wide, 65 feet long, glass backboards on both sides. I mean, it's going to be great. And so Eric, he really got excited about that. I mean, he did. He told his friends about it. He, I mean, hey, you can come over and play back. We'll have full court in the backyard and, you know, whole deal. And, and so he got excited about that. Now, suppose that I had gone out there and, and leveled that all out. And suppose I had taken some two-by-tens and, and made the, the, the framing around that court and, and staked those in to form the, the forms to pour the cement. And I got that all leveled in there and, and, uh, and, and, and got those forms up and, and, and got the, the baskets, the poles sunk in the ground and cemented in, the glass and the whole deal. And, 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 and then I said, okay, Eric, there you go. It's ready. Uh, Dad, uh... I don't think I can play on that. I, and there's, aren't you going to pour some cement? Oh, no, son. Just, I mean, play within those forms there. That, that'd be great. I don't think my son would have been too impressed with a court that had no cement. But that's exactly the way many of us live our lives. We have this form. 
And we know what it's supposed to look like. And we know how we're supposed to act. And we know what we're supposed to function as. But there's no power. There's no uh, uh, God inside of us allowing us to, to do what we ought to do. So he followed without faith. He served without surrender. He pleased without power. And lastly, he died without a decision. Judas had to have been convicted. I think he was convicted right up to the end. When Judas planted that betrayal kiss on the face of Christ, Jesus said, friend, wherefore art thou come? Can you imagine the conviction of those words as Jesus looked him dead in the eye and said, friend? Jesus could have exposed this man three years ago. He could have left him in the dust. He could have exposed him just like he did the Pharisees and the Sadducees. He could have, he could have, he could have put him in the pile with the hypocrites. But Jesus loved this man. He loved him unto the end. And the words had to sting in Judas's heart as he said, Friend, wherefore art thou come? And Judas runs and he, he takes that money and he goes back to the chief priest and he, and he throws those shekels down to the temple floor. And he said, I've sinned in that I've betrayed the innocent blood. And they said, What is that to us? See thou to that. And the Bible says he went out and hanged himself. Judas, no doubt, convicted right up to the very end that he had been a phony, that he had been plastic, that he had been artificial, but he died without a decision. And if you're not careful, you'll sit here through a week of camp and you'll be convicted by the messages preached. You'll be convicted by what your counselor says. You'll be convicted that other people love you in spite of the fact that you're not right. And yet, if you're not careful, you will get through this week. You'll hang on and you'll resist and you'll die without a decision. Convicted, but never converted. Convicted, but never changed. Strip away the outside this morning, young people. Let God put you in his x-ray machine today. Let him show you what you are inside. And let's not just do it. Let's just be it. And when you just be it, the doing will be a natural byproduct of the being. Thanks so much for tuning in to the Southland Podcast. May the message you've just heard be truth that transforms your heart and life. Christ loves you and wants you to grow in His grace through salvation and sanctification. If you've never placed your faith and trust in the finished work of Christ, we'd love to talk to you personally. Please give us a call at 318-894-9154 
or shoot me an email at mherpster at southlandcamp.org. Christ has promised eternal life and a life worth living if you will only believe in him. May the Lord bless you in your pursuit of Christ-like living. Tune in next time right here for another message on the Southland Podcast.